Hey, guess what? What? It's the second annual Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> you got something in your throat? <laughs> oh, sorry about that. You all painted up for a crackhead, huh? <laughs> Halloween ain't till manana. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is just another movie nights Potoween second annual Potoween it's Halloween time October it's and, my favorite month and today is my favorite thing to do talking trash talking trash talking trash indeed and this month we're going to do something different for Halloween we're going to do horror movie remakes remakes we've never seen and first up today is 2022's Firestarter. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the mm. uh, And the reason we're doing this is because this is one of those movies that kind of was universally panned on release. Um, it has an IMDb of 4.6 with 20,000 reviewers, a Metacritic of 32, and a Rotten Tomatoes of 11%. And uh, I don't even know if we should still use Rotten Tomatoes. I think they're pretty much done at this point in, in the uh, podcast uh, with the controversy. Uh, it was directed by Keith Thomas. Uh, he did an episode of uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Ooh, which episode? The one with the painter that was um, basically a Lovecraftian. Oh, that's the one I didn't like. Oh. Was that the worst of the bunch? Yeah. No, it wasn't. Well, Some of the that, first ones weren't. Well, the one with Crispin Glover. That was that's that the one? one. That's the one. Yeah. I hated it. Okay. <laughs> and also, he did a movie we haven't seen called The Vigil. So that's it. He's uh, coming off of basically one movie in an episode of a TV show. It was written by Scott Teams. Now, this guy should be uh, synonymous now with these movies. Especially horror movies, um, because he did two other Blumhouse films. He wrote Halloween Kills. Michael Myers will be executed tonight. Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. And Insidious: The Red Door. Oh Jesus! Yeah. So I mean, That's I kind of told you a little bit of something here. Uh, the budget for this film is $12 million, which is actually very, very small it in comparison. It is kind of low, actually, yeah. And it grossed worldwide $15 million. Hmm. Only $4 million domestically. Hmm. That's well, not good at that's all. that's terrible. So, yeah, this is basically the remake of another film that's a r adaptation of a Stephen King novel. 1984's Firestarter, stu uh, starring Drew Barrymore, directed by Mark L. Lester, who did Commando. And I love Commando. That movie has a 6 IMDb score with 35,000, a 50 Metacritic, 
and a 36 and a 38 actually on Rotten Tomatoes. The budget for that movie was 15 million. Back in 84, 15 million Whoa. more than this movie in 2023. That's kind of wild. And they they probably use a lot of practical effects too, right? Yeah, I guess so, but this movie kind of did too a little bit and it also grossed 17 million dollars. Okay. So not either I mean, one. That wasn't like it's a not huge a huge hit. hit. No. Yeah. No. All right. So yeah, the reason we picked this one was because we didn't see it, and also mostly because it's so panned. And of course, our curiosity is up. Not only because we're Stephen King fans, and and that's funny when you say Stephen King fan because I feel like I'm on the border of what that means. If that makes any sense, I'm kind of right in the middle of there. Honey. Come on over here, sugar buns. This machine just called me an asshole. Like, I love Stephen King, but then I find a lot of his books extremely over-explaining themselves. He is so wordy. Well, they can be a bit long. And sometimes he's got his own use of dialogue that can be a little off-putting. Yeah. Some of that comes in some of his movies. Uh, some directors like to use his weird dialogue. That Mr. Man. All right, Bubba, stick it with up your home seat. I've done it. Meteor ship. Not sure if I like it too much when they do it, but I like him. But I've always said, and this is one of those really rare things that you never hear people say. I like Stephen King's movie adaptations better than his books. Wow, you know, I, I would I would agree with you, but I feel like I mean I do agree with you actually, but I feel like for Pet Cemetery, I feel like the book was scarier than the movie at some parts. But then you know, little Gage running around it, that that was terrifying. There's a lot of terrifying things in the movie too. Yeah, I mean for me, I can name a whole bunch of these right because I've read a bunch of his books. I like Stanley Kubrick's Shining. I'm not a big fan of the novel or Stephen King's adaptation and miniseries. Mm -hmm. I like the Cujo film way better than the book, mostly because the book is like suge suggesting that Cujo is actually possessed by a demon of a serial killer. It's been a long time since I've, I've read Cujo. Not a big fan of that. You see what I'm getting here? I mean, even Shawshank Redemption is like perfect. Yeah. The short story doesn't get there like the movie does it, it's a lot of that with him I, i'm really all over the place uh uh dolores Cl um claiborne right I, I like so many of his stories but like the stand i don't even want to pick it up okay you know what i mean <laughs> that so that book oh jesus <laughs> i mean it was like the bible it, it was, was like ridiculous. being hit with this giant book i never wanted to pick up when i was a kid but <laughs> I, I honestly uh <laughs> I don't know. I'm so I know that's probably a really edgy thing to say and people get mad because I think it's very typical for people to say that books are always better. And the reason is very simple. You can do and explain way more in a book than you can in an hour and a half movie. Yeah, but you know, another thing is I found that um that Silver Bullet was a it kind of was a short read. But like the movie with Corey Haim and Gary Busey. He stood up in the theater and I said, no, 
You can't go into space because the machine already got blown up by Jake Cockadoo Debussy. <laughs> Why are you laughing about this? Because I, we had a we were, we were just a little tidbit. We were on vacation on a road trip, and um, we were playing the movie game where you had to name an actor, and then the next person has to name a movie that they were in. And I failed on Gary Pierce. A lot. This, this was one of the worst games <laughs> I've ever played with you on this kind of thing. I don't know you what happened. You blanked out on like, the easiest things. I did. I blanked out on everything. You like, can think of one Gary Busey movie after Silver Bullet was named. I don't know what happened. No, I did. That the movie that you made me watch where he's like the... You could uh, not think of the name, I couldn't though. think of the friggin' name. You but... kept calling it something funny. I can't remember what it was now. It wasn't even close. Well, anyways, back on track. Stupid Gary Busey. Back on track, Stephen King. So here we are, right? And and this movie came out, and I would say that a nail in its coffin was definitely the trailers. I don't even remember the trailers. Exactly. I think it was very under um, advertised, and the the advertisements seemed very indie. I remember watching these trailers and thinking that doesn't seem like an actual film. And then when it came out, sure as hell, it wasn't in the theater at all. It was gone instantly. And this is a Blumhouse movie. Usually he's really good with advertising his films. Yeah, what the heck happened? Because usually we see these movies in the theater. We see all, all horror movies in well, the theater. That's a, I guess we should get into that because you are a fan of the original movie. Oh, I love it. And when you saw the trailer for this, as I recall, you were basically saying, it's not needed, it's already a great movie. Oh, okay, I said that. Well, I mean, just because I, I think the original movie is, it's got everything you you need in it, you know? it And it's got a, a fantastic cast. Fantastic. Yeah, and, and that's funny because I'm not going to lie, this movie blinked out on me. I remember seeing it. I definitely have seen it multiple times. And I can't remember a damn thing beyond the fact that Drew Barrymore is in it. Wow. Yeah, it's something that did not resonate with me i, mean, I remember, remember george it. c scott he he, he was and i love george c scott yeah, yeah he was I, amazing in that um this movie is not it did not resonate with with me or imprint on me enough to say well i'm not gonna go see this new movie hmm. you know and i remember that's why we didn't go see it. you were very against seeing the movie and and i think you were talking about zach efron who's a star in this movie okay because i don't i didn't feel that when I, I maybe when I saw the preview, because I'm thinking now that I probably would was thinking, why is Zach Efron? He's not a horror guy. You, what you were saying back then was he's too young. Oh, maybe you're right. Yeah, because he he has a daughter. Like he's the father in this movie. Which I totally disagree with him. In How this movie, old is he? This. I don't. I know haven't looked now. into that, but he's definitely in his thirties. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he could have have a daughter that's eleven. I could. I could see that. Yeah. Oh, it, it completely clicks. They if they were twenty or twenty one. Yeah, and he played it. He played it right. Like he was, you know, a father. Like you can feel it. So. Yeah. I'm, um. That's the setup for the movie, and then the movie. Let's do what we normally do, and and that's talking trash. Is where you kind of talk out the plot of the movie and discuss what we like and don't like along the way. And to hammer in, I think I didn't start this properly by saying. Where we always ask the questions at the end of the movie, is this a bad movie? And what really is the worst movie ever made? And so we'll get to that at the end. But yeah, let's do what we normally do. And and I'm just for anybody who hasn't seen this movie and is interested in it, we're gonna spoil the shit out of this thing. 
Yeah, I don't think anyone. Is, and and it's I also mean, a re it's a remake, so mm-hmm. it, you kind of at this point in time should already know the story because it's very it. And I'm not gonna lie, it's kind of odd to see a remake of something that's basically been retread forever, like every single thing superheroes or off superhero movies have really kind of done Firestarter. Even Firestarter is basically Stephen King making a horror version out of a couple other things. I would say the Human Torch from the Fantastic Four and also Scanners, which I believe is a 70s film. It's a really good combination of the two. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know when King wrote this book. I don't know what year that came out and to to what year Scanners came out. But they feel very, very similar. And they feel like he's kind of using little bits. I don't know if you agree with me on this. I mean, I do, yes. Scanners came out in 81. Okay, so Um, the movie came out in 84. So the book definitely came out before Scanners. uh, Because I would think the Scanners uh, Firestarter book was written. Um, So... It was it was actually published in 1980, so we have Scanners in 81, and Firestarter was published. In and I don't know if Scanners was written as a book. Scanners might actually be a book, by the way. I don't know, so, but I, I like the that. two the elements of Charlie being, you know, fire, and her father, his name Andy, Andy being, you know, like the tell it the what do you call him the telepath. Yeah, he's got uh, telekinesis telekinesis. power. Yeah, Yeah. so um, I like those two elements, and it kind of does draw from various other movies and and things like that. It really makes me wonder um, who, like, where he came up with some of these ideas because this is an age old thing. I did see that Cronenberg also co wrote Scanner, so that could have been a thing that was in the works. We don't, I don't really know who Mm -hmm. came out first here, but. Okay. It's an interesting thing because this story is is basically very very it it's just very generic to me. The Firestarter story. Mm-hmm. You know, uh people get tested on, they get powers, they have a child, child has powers, they're on the run, people come for them. I mean, you can't write a more linear more cliche type story you know what i mean like you've seen this kind of stuff and you can you basically can't think of any origin or superpower thing without thinking of this kind of origin right and that's why i believe that when you're making a a film about those kind of things that it really highly highly depends like the success of it will highly depend on the cast the actors that you get to play these roles and you know it depends on like who you get that will make the movie stand out. And there's a lot of differences between the 1984 original and the 2022 film. And and to the book. And, yeah, and the, to the, the book. Like, all these different things. And, yes, my, okay, so we should talk about this. One of the reasons we want to talk about remakes is kind of what we're why we're doing this movie and these movies this month is we were talking about this before. A lot of people don't like remakes, and they're against them regardless. I'm not. I I think there is a place for remakes. And I, I think that we're in a society where the idea of remakes, I don't know why it pisses people off. Because, like I just kind of pointed out with King, 
everything is a bite off of another thing. Of course. Everything in pop culture, everything in entertainment is a bite off of another thing. It's all remakes at the end of the day. Everything is going to take what's the best and learn from it. That's just how entertainment works. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't bother me because what we have seen is that you could take something that was kind of mediocre or interesting and accelerate it. And speaking of Cronenberg, Joseph Scanners alone, you have the fly. You know, it's just look how you can jump from one to the other. Look at what you can do. And so what bothers me with Firestarter as being a remake is that what you really need to do is take those core concepts from the book or the core concepts from the uh, 84 movie and improve on it. Right. That's what, what was the would, weak bar parts? You know, what was the weak? Yeah, you, Go would, forward. you would. That's what you hope for when you're watching a remake. Like, for instance, today I posted on Instagram my top horror remakes that I love. Okay. And one of them was The Blob. And yep. I feel like, you know, the original was made so long ago, um, like long, long, long before the 1980s. And when the 80s did it, they improved on it. They did exactly what they were set out to do. hundred percent, yeah. So that's a that's a success to me. Agreed. And if you can't improve on something, if you're going to remake it, then you shouldn't remake it. Yeah. And see, I think where the, the problem is, because uh, I agree with you so much on this, but I think the problem where people think remakes suck is that a lot of people hold a certain thing dear and you can't touch it. Yes. And that's what I think, like, basically, you know, stops us from improving. Do you know what I mean? It basically this idea that you can't do something because it's untouchable. Now, I agree. Should you remake a classic? That, I mean, a movie that people kind of generally regard as perfect? No. There's no reason to. It's the movies that definitely could use something. So The Blob is a perfect example because The Blob is corny. Mm-hmm. It there's not much there. It's half of a movie of a bunch of kids talking about drag racing. Yeah, there, there's not much <laughs> of a movie, and it has one of the wackiest songs of all time in it, <laughs> which I adore, by the way. Beware of the blob; it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor, right through the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a blotch. Be careful of the blob. But of course, how can you improve? There's a thousand things that can improve. And yeah, Frank Darabont and um, I cannot remember who else worked on the blob, but they all step forward. Like every single aspect, even where the blob is from, is mm-hmm. definitely crafted a thousand times better. Right. The same thing with the fly. The fly is his own little creepy story. Mm-hmm. But that then, is also on my list. <laughs> but then Cronenberg goes, well, let's make it deep. Let's make it metaphorical. Let's make it about relationships and like crazy stuff yeah really goes deep with the body horror this is what fear is oh god yeah i mean the fly totally just did me right in with the shit falling off of his face and his ear and his teeth and his nails it was gross be very afraid now so that my question to you now is the 84 fire starter is there room to improve okay yes because there is a lot of even though, like, George C. Scott, he ruled that movie. He was so George great. George C. Scott rules most anything he's ever been in. You're talking about mass murder, General, not war. 
Mr. President, I'm not saying we wouldn't get our hair mussed, but I do say no more than 10 to 20 million killed, tops, uh, depending on the breaks. Yeah. Martin Sheen too. Martin Sheen was was, He's was one. great. Like the cast was really great, and I thought cute little Drew. She did a great job. Yeah. You know, real fast. I just gotta say, you said Martin Sheen. Mm-hmm. The guy made the Elf movie. <laughs> he made his scenes better. I. It's the Elf movie. It was terrible, oh, but God. somehow he stands out. Sir, Alf is a menace to society and ought to be incinerated. Don't you mean incarcerated, sir? No. Yes. So go ahead. I'm sorry. So you know, it's just. There's there's just like a lot of amazing people in this in in the original Firestarter, so that kind of enhances the whole, um, you know, just the viewing experience to have amazing characters, uh, actors. I'm sorry, and they they did. I mean, yes, they can improve on it. They 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 tried to do that here, but they changed a lot, and I don't necessarily believe that change is always a good thing, especially. Um, like it just goes by like how you execute it, you, you know. Absolutely, yeah. So I agree. I think they 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 could have. Yes, I feel like if there's something that can be improved on, by all means try. Yeah. You know. Like I said, to me, uh, the improvement is just so simple as it's very a generic, very you know, very generic storyline mm-hmm. that definitely can be improved on. So seeing that Blumhouse was going to do this. It kind of made me interested in the fact that they can make this more of a human drama and really kind of nail more of the psyche of the, the kid and the parents. Now, since, like I said, we're going to talk the movie out a little bit in spoiler, right off the bat in this film, I think I say wait right off the bat way too much on the show. So I apologize. Every time I do it, you can hit me with a bat, Joe. Straight out of the gate. Yeah, straight out of the gate. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> You're, all, you're such, out. Such a goober. I don't, first of all, don't have a bat. <laughs> you can hit me with it. Uh, I don't know if we have one of those sound effects here. Oh, I got I one my... of these. So, um. I think I have my Harley Quinn bat upstairs. There you go. Uh, but no, seriously, the movie gets right in to exactly what I kind of wanted it to be with this family thing, with this parent. Uh, you know, like, what, how do you deal with what's going on and all that? And I will say, I was actually going, holy shit, is this going to be a good movie? Because I enjoyed probably the first 20 minutes. Yeah, I was pretty invested. Heavily. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's funny because what I noticed right... Okay. What I noticed right, right away... Out of the gate. Right away <laughs> was that Zac Efron was elevating scenes that he was in. I thought, yeah, you know... He was he actually seems, pretty decent in this movie. He seems very mature now. Like, not that he wasn't mature bef- no. before, but I'm just saying, like, he does those movies that are kind of like uh, goofy high school movies, and I- I'm not talking about, was it High School Musical or whatever? I'm not talking about that. I just mean, like, he's... What, it's that movie he's in with the... What is it? Bob and Jake and he dates or some crap like that? Yeah, I don't something know. like the making Dave. Up I know it's the, Dave as well. Oh, one Dave, them. whatever. So he does those corny silliness things like neighbor what's that what neighbors and yeah, all he that did stuff. neighbors so like for this to for him to want to be you know a little bit in a in a more mature role kind of like it i dig yeah, it i dig and it and he looks really good he's like oh the guy's a, handsome as all hell there's, he no, is, there's not even debating got a this. nice beard working he's yeah. he, he looks good he the, looks for, the part for people on the run the hair guy's hair is macking 
He's you know, knackin'. he's just looking good, even when he's on the run. <laughs> we were reverted know? back to 1992 just now. Oh, that's all. <laughs> if anybody's ever listened to this, they know that's all how I talk. Oh it's God. just how it is. Oh, my God. Um, frosted tips. Frosted, frosted tips. tips. Looking Mac. <laughs> Put on a cassette. Listen to some jams. Are we going to go for Cypress Hill? Or... Well, I was going to go way back. Oh, way Marky back. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Come oh, on, okay, man. that's good. That's good. That's still a 90s, early 90s. <laughs> was early, that was early Get 90s. vibration. Go even further, though. I should have gone way no, back. No, then you're hitting the 80s, and you don't want to mess with the yeah. 80s when you're talking to me. So. I was say Metal Church. And I was like, that might be the <laughs> uh, 80s. I don't remember. Oh, my God. So, let's, uh, let's scooch along. Yeah, and... <laughs> scooching along with the Zac Efron looks. So, yeah, Zac Efron looks great. And... It start, it, this is really weird, but the movie is his. It starts on him. We see him having a nightmare, basically him and his wife having a baby, and the baby setting on fire. Is a really cool opening. We see it's a nightmare he's having, but you kind of get already that establishment that he's seeing maybe the future or the he's seeing something that he's afraid of. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like maybe a premonition. And I'm like, that's a good start. But what's even better is somehow just in the opening credits, they managed to use the opening credits to be a flashback mm-hmm. of what has happened to them to give them the abilities that they have. Yeah. So it's in- like the same in the original. So like in the original, uh, they don't really show it too much, but um, they, Vicky is the wife and I guess Andy is the husband and they were kind of experimented on in basic, you know. Yeah, they they, uh, allowed themselves to be put into a trial to be tested with a drug. Right. Some kind of crazy drug. Of course, they have no parents, and and they basically selected them because there were nobody that would miss them. Right, they grew up in, like, foster homes, and they they kind of didn't have any place to, like, you know, uh, call home, per se. So they they were kind of just, like, renegades, and uh, they... um, they developed powers from this hallucinogenic drug that they were testing on them. And I guess the it's like the special division of science or yeah, something from, like that. I think in the novel and the original movie, it's called The Shop. Yeah, that's like in a... this, it's called DSI. And DSI, it never yeah. exactly tells you what this is, what it stands for, or anything about it. Yeah. A division of science, just, just say that, you know. Yeah. And... Yeah, it basically is setting it up, but it's doing it really well, and it's showing you their their increasing discomfort with being in the test trials. You get glimpses, although they're cheesy glimpses, almost like Haunt, House of Haunted Hill glimpses, of the violence that comes from some of the test subjects yeah. dying and stuff like that. Right. It looks a little corny, but the scenes in which the two parents are talking and being interviewed is actually well done. I, I actually really liked it and it worked for me really a lot yeah that's stuff that i don't recall them showing that in no the original I, I think at it's all. just it hinted just went right into it with heather locklear as the mom and they showed us a, a smidge of their home life where you know they she sets her uh, oven mitts on fire by accident you know and we get the whole that's how we are like led into charlie pretty much but this movie did it differently yes now, I'm going to ask you, did Heather Locklear's character, Vicky, have powers? See, that's the thing. Um, I've seen Firestarter 1984 a couple times, and I don't remember them ever mentioning that she did have powers. But she was in the trials. I don't recall. Well, 
is the husband on the run or is he still like on loan in his life with these powers? He's on the run, right? Well, they both are. That's what I was asking. Yeah, so Heather Lockley are. would have, Vicky would have known. Yeah, she yeah she knew. She knew. Oh, then she, that, so, that's what I'm saying. If she knew, then she must have been a part of it. I mean, according to, like, online, they're saying that she did have powers, but I just don't recall them emphasizing that. I recall that he had powers because he uses his powers in the beginning of the movie. And so, you know, and that's where you see he gets nosebleeds and stuff. Okay. But, um... Yeah, here we get this uh, great sequence of Zac Efron, Andy, um, trying to make money and doing a business where he's a self-help person, which reminded me very heavily of Cat's Eye. Yeah. It actually seemed like they were doing a little bit of that. I don't remember if this is used in the original movie or the book, but he's doing these self-help things where he's using his power to trick people into helping themselves. Yeah, so, like, you know, he's... He, they have the, they all, you know, they live in their house. She, Charlie goes to school. Seems like just like a normal situation. We don't really get right off the bat that they're on the run. You're um, talking about in the movie? In the movie. Wait, wait, this one that we just watched or yeah. the original? I'm no, in this, in this one. Sorry. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to say, the only reason I brought that uh, self-help thing up, the cat's eye link, was that he's helping a person stop smoking, which is what happens in cat's eye. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting, but... What's really interesting is that we see that his power is that he takes people's minds and can move things around to trick them into doing things. So he makes this person think cigarettes are disgusting. Mm-hmm. But we see that it actually makes his eyes bleed, which is the first in a glimpse of things that are changing here. Right. Um, so, which I actually like because a nosebleed feels like common. This is something that should not be happening. Oh, no. Bleeding out bleeding. of your eyes. I mean, it's pretty profuse, too. Yeah. It's not just like a little Oh, it gets drip. worse and worse, yeah, as it's the movie progresses. like yeah. pouring blood out of his eyes. So yeah. it, that was kind of creepy and cool. It I was kind it. of interesting, especially since Zac Efron has incredible eyes. Yeah. And to see the blood all... and But I will point out, unfortunately, it's very CG. Well, yeah, it has to be. Yeah, I mean, they could have found... We've seen plenty of movies, like... No, we've seen tons Remember of, when tons uh, of Kill Bill movies. when Go-Go gets killed? Oh, yeah. I mean, the blood is pouring out of her eyes, and you could tell that they put it on. Yeah, know. they just made it drip out. But, I mean, they, they went full force on this Zac Efron yeah, his eyes are thing. filling up. Um, but, yeah, so he's trying to, his, like, he does, like, a self-help thing where he kind of just actually tricks them into believing that, you know, something is bad for them. So they just stop and quit cold turkey. That's his business. And he only takes cash. He won't accept cards. Because so we, he does want the link. Yes. So we know that they don't have like any cell phones or anything, obviously, because he doesn't want to be found, you know, by anyone. So then we see next that Charlie is going to school. She's 11. And I don't know this actress, but she's super cute, this girl. Okay. Yeah. We're going to have to get into this a little bit. Yeah. As the movie goes on, I think. Yeah. But she's. Because I, I mean, fuck it. I'll just say it right off the bat. She is my least favorite thing about the movie. Wow, really? Okay. And I'm not the only one to unfortunately find out is that uh, she was um, labeled for a Razzie Award as Worst Actress of the Year. And, oh, my uh, God. There was a huge backlash, and they made Razzie take that away because she's a little girl. And I, I, I understand that, and it is horrible to say 
but something about her does not click for this movie. And I do understand why there was complaints about it because I've seen a lot of people now after watching the movie and looking a little bit before this talk, there was a lot of people who are also saying she just doesn't work and the movie really relies on her. And I, I don't think she's nailing the, the emotional aspects that the scenes need. And sometimes the movie doesn't even understand how to juggle her. And I don't know if that is on the director or this actress. And it sucks to say that. I, I know it sucks. And it it's just when you're living in a world where Haley Joe Osmond existed, you know, it's kind of like even Drew Barrymore. There's something about these certain actors that can really push part, you know, like forward apart. Mm-hmm. And here, she, I, I don't know what's going on with the choices here. Because uh, like you said, we, we see her in school and she's being bullied. And she's constantly giving a face of what is supposed to be the anger of basically, it's like borderline, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to cry. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly the the what's what's happening in this movie throughout the whole film. That that's the look, that's the feel, and it never really does the range. And so as the movie goes on, there's scenes, you know, skipping forward. It, it doesn't. It's not a shock because you kind of already know what's going to happen next because they're on the run, and we know that she's being bullied at school so you kind of know we're going toward she's going to lose control because this is a movie and it has to exactly happen like it you know we got to get on with there it there has to be something pushing her over the and, edge and, it, and what i hate is that nobody seems to know first off teachers are shown as idiots because they see bullies bullying her very evidently and no one does anything about it. You know, it's different in this one because usually little girls get bullied by nasty other little girls. But in this case, she gets bullied by a little, a ginger, little ginger boy. And I pointed out that I'm okay with it because gingers are very much bullied in themselves. And bullies usually are people who are bullied and they bully other people. Okay, well, that it's doesn't make it right. Okay, just because make you it have right. red hair, sir. Okay. I'm just saying that. There is a cycle, and it is terrible, and teachers need to see it and stop it. Yeah, but here's the thing so, about it, too, is that this girl's getting bullied in school, and this is just the, the classic case of, like, okay, this this boy's throwing a ball at her head. I mean, she and wails during a dodgeball game. Yeah. Her in the back of the head, First and no one all. says, hey, you little shit, like, yeah. stop. Do they even play dodgeball in school anymore? I mean, isn't that considered like an aggressive <laughs> sport for the little shits? I wonder if that. I doubt it. I don't know. Whatever. But uh, so, yeah, he freaking you know, completely just smacks her in the face with a with a ball. And the teacher's there. No one says anything. Yeah. It's like, you're just going to let these boys bully this little girl? I mean, it just is And it's insane. not even the first time, too. There's another time before that. It's like a bunch of them leading up to it. Yeah. They're bullying her because she doesn't use Google. Oh, heaven forbid, you know, being not born with a freaking iPhone in your hands, you little shit. Yeah, and I love that they use the word specifically Google. Like, I love that Google is the only thing. No, the surf, search engines. How dare you not know what Google is? Scott, Google is the best, okay? No one uses Bing. Just get your head around it. I get paid it. to use Bing. I'm going to use Bing. <laughs> so... But he's paying you. Yeah, they, Bing, Bing pays me. I have tons of money. 14 cents a month. <laughs> 
You know that's not true, right? I know. I'm teasing you. All those nice things you get from Amazon are from Bing. I know. I do get nice Kiss things from Bing's Bing. Kiss Bing's ass. No, no. Won't do it. Won't do it. This is a paid advertisement for Bing. So, <laughs> Google and redheads. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, go- so they're laughing at her because she doesn't use the internet. Of course, she goes home and she's like, you know, mom, I, I'm, I don't want to go to school anymore. I hate it. Why can't I use the damn Wi-Fi? Why can't I use Wi-Fi for shit's sake? They're like, hey, it costs money and it's bad for you and it rots your brain. She's telling kids that she's Mormon. Yeah. And they're making fun of her for being Mormon. <laughs> I'm yeah, just I was like, jeez. Like, I mean, it's just, you know, though, I do feel like I haven't been to school in a long time, but I feel like just kids are little fuckers. They're oh, just kids fuckers. are fuckers regardless. I mean, they're yeah. so mean and, you know... Th- I just can't. But anyway, so so she doesn't have Google or Wi-Fi or whatever. And by the way, I shouldn't say just kids are assholes. Adults are pretty much scumbags, <laughs> I mean, too. Humans so humans are Let's, humans let's are just assholes. say humans. Let's just knock it off. <laughs> but anyway, so she's upset. She doesn't want to live this life anymore. She doesn't want to go to school anymore because she's getting bullied by a little red-haired demon. And she's not happy and she just doesn't want to deal with it. And she can't use her powers she's um zach efron and the wife are trying to help her control the powers um but not she, really they're they're, they're trying to suppress it they're kind of debating it because the mother's saying that you we need to train her she needs to be trained because when something does come she needs to be ready for it right. and i completely agree with her uh he's saying that she's too young and he doesn't want her to feel less of a of a of a child he doesn't want to take her childhood away from him. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, that's happening regardless at school. So right. when he she gets hit in the head with a fucking dodgeball, she goes and blows up a bathroom with a teacher in it. And this is the funniest. This bit made me laugh inside. I, I held it back out, you know, coming out of me. This woman walks into a bathroom that the sinks are pouring steam. It's boiling. She's walking into a boiler room. She doesn't instantly run out. She starts looking for the girl in the room. I don't know if I would be in this room. Well, I would if be I walked terrified. into the bathroom and the freaking bathroom was steaming and boiling water pouring like, out of the side. Um, yeah, let me just wait till the smoke clears because it, it was probably like a thousand degrees in there. Yeah. So that so, was weird. But to make it worse, she starts going to the stalls that, of course, are all closed. She puts her hand in it, her hand burns. Still doesn't stop her. Right. Then the stall starts banging excessively, out of control with steam. Still doesn't stop her until it finally explodes, sending the teacher against the wall. She's fine, by the way. Just a little, little soot. A little, a little shaken up. She, I believe her words are "holy shit." Holy shit! And the little, and now our our little girl character comes out of the stall in the steam and is. I mean, my first thought would be, holy fuck, she's got superpowers. Yeah, like, what do you, what do you, okay, unless she let off some kind of a stick of dynamite in that stall. <laughs> what killed her? Yeah, like, how did she walk out of there just fine? So the freaking fire department comes, the ambulances and all that stuff. The principal calls the parents into the room. Now, you think that they would run. This is the moment they would run instantly. Right. But they don't. They go and they meet with the principal, and the principal says, "Hey, we don't, we still don't know how she blew up the bathroom." <laughs> I and they're mean, like, "Oh, come on! Do you think she's a terrorist?" 
Yeah. Don't call my daughter a terrorist. And then the the teacher that got blown up is like, yeah, we kind of need to know how she blew it up. Like, yeah, it's kind of important. So then I think at this point, um, there they go home. Yeah. And uh, this is this for some reason after she blows up the bathroom, doesn't he take her out for ice cream? No, no, she. <laughs> it's worse than that. This is. It's it's a little odd because. I'm actually enjoying this part of the movie. I will say that, like I said, the emotions with our Firestarter character aren't nailing it. They're kind of all over the place. The little girl is just freaking out. So she's bordering on the line of uh, obnoxious kid in movies. Mm -hmm. And she's also kind of like a sympathetic. You feel bad for her. But you're not feeling like this is our main character we should be focusing on and caring about the most. We're not getting, there's not like camera shots or lingering like emotional tolling shots of like her to kind of hammer in the things that are happening and how we're supposed to feel for her. It's not being done great. But to make it worse, maybe when the movie starts getting even more out of control, she's brought home. And they, the she's put in her room, basically like go to your room, and they start fighting. Now, the movie can't also figure out if the mother is afraid of her daughter or not. It, it doesn't. It feels like she's more afraid of her daughter than anything else. I don't know. I feel some loving moments with yeah, the two she of calls them. Her, her little muffin, or but some you shit. know, and she like gives her hugs and snuggles and stuff. So I do feel like there is like you know gentleness and like love between the two of them yeah there's a bond but will you admit that the three of them feel extremely emotionally detached from each other okay well i will say this as we're going on you're gonna agree yes the husband and wife from the beginning did not seem like they were together like zach efron and uh i don't remember the name of the actress playing vicky vicky but they they just didn't seem like they were a couple. It was weird. They, if you told me that the twist in this movie was going to be that she was artificially inseminated, and she had the Firestarter character, yeah, then I would I kind of would have believed it through like the the experimental trial. Yes, and stuff? yeah, that maybe a part of the experiment made her like immaculately concept, you know, conceive. Yeah, then I would be like, that's interesting, and that maybe would have been an interesting concept in this film to deal with. That Zac Efron, the Andy character, I mean, isn't really her father. That could have been something to improve on, to really, really go into. Yeah. Kind of making Firestarter Akira, which again, <laughs> yeah. Akira must have been some kind of inspiration for Stephen King. Mm-hmm. That could have been something. You know, they don't do it. Unfortunately, what happens here is they start yelling. The The mother is like, you need to, we need to, we got to get out of here. We went too long. We stayed here too long. And the father's like, we can't train her. And then, of course, the daughter comes out from hearing this fight and is like, what's going on? And this is where the father, Andy, decides to scream out the truth in a very angry fashion. Yeah, it was kind of weird. It's like, a it was weird a moment. Very, it took you out of a scene and put you into a whole different environment in that I moment. I think the movie changes from here on. Yeah, it moment. took you into a whole different environment because he started screaming about the, yeah, you know, the uh, scientific intelligence agency or whatever. is. The DSI. Yeah, they're the, all the, after us. We were us. tested on and yeah. you're the, and you were made from it 
from us. Yeah. They're all, we're hunted, we're on the run, and now we're going to be on the run again. Yeah, so he's like angry and he's, uh, you know, all upset and like his his delivery of this speech just seems out of place and out of character. Yeah. And so... Especially since they seem so stupid because they can't figure out that anger is what's making this happen. It's the driving force. They keep saying, they keep asking, what's making this happen? Well, yeah, she's gets she gets like, angry. She has emotions. Girl. She's a little kid. I, Zach Efron's like she's not puberty yet. I'm like, <sighs> no, you fucking idiot! Like, I know. Obviously, something bad's happened. She's crying about how she doesn't want to go to school. Obviously, something's bad is happening to her at school to force her to feel like she's doing this. Yeah, and so uh, at this moment, this is when Charlie's getting a you know pretty upset and annoyed, and out of just the clear blue sky, her mother standing in front of her and her. Arms go up in flames. So she literally torches her mother's arms. Yeah. And I gotta say, I, I like the way it looked, but the mother's lack of reaction in that moment, like yeah. here's nobody the, reacts. No, nobody like reacts. Zach Efron hardly moves to put it out. He's yeah. startled. Yeah, he's startled, but, but she doesn't the, wave her arms to put no, him out. No, 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 no. She doesn't she even flail. There. She doesn't flail. She doesn't even have a change of facial expression. She's on fire. Yeah. This actress, I don't know what they were telling her to do. That's what I'm saying. But she literally just stood there. It was so bizarre. Her arms are on fire. She's like saying, "Charlie, no." Yeah, Charlie, no. And, and then and Charlie's like, "Oh shit!" She's like literally on fire. And so Zac Efron finally moves and puts him out. Finally does and, and puts her out. But I gotta say that. The transition from this scene to the next is so bizarre. It's so bizarre. You mean the bizarre. wrapping her arms? Oh, for Christ's sakes. Well, Charlie calls 911 because she thinks that, you know, she really hurt her mother, which she did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they tell her, you know, please, Charlie, just hang up the phone. They're after us. They're going to be don't be able to trace us, whatever, whatever. We're going to have to leave. So she hangs up the phone but she does end up calling 911 so then you see Zac Efron in the weirdest scene ever he is bandaging up the burnt arms now this woman I wouldn't say burnt okay they That's are underst- literally her her skin is gone yeah. okay like you need emergency attention yeah you this need is green like skin grafts skin graft you yeah. need emergency surgery and she is just getting bandaged up with saran wrap. He puts, what is that called? Uh, Neosporin on these damn holes. Yeah, that'll work. Birdhouse plans, nacho pans, glass on floors, daily chores. For the little mishaps you feel, use Neosporin to help you heal. And then wraps them in, in saran wrap. Saran wrap. We can't tell you what to do with it, but it works. And then she, he puts, like, uh, an ace bandage around each arm. And she, like, let me tell you. Like, I was just telling like, you, know, like. They gotta remove that saran wrap later on. Right. How? Okay. Yeah. It'll be stuck to her skin. Yeah. Whatever's yeah. left of it. The moment that he does this, you're pretty much like, oh, she's dead. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because I gotta tell you something. Like, I, just because I'm, I'm a crafter and I work with hot glue, I burnt my leg once. And I gotta tell you something. Dropping hot glue on your leg, even if it's, like, a small clump. There is. It's so fucking painful to get burned. This oh. woman would have been delirious. I was screaming for 20 minutes because I dropped hot glue on my leg. And now a reenactment. 
I cannot imagine that this woman's arms were on fire. Not only does she not react in the moment at all, that she doesn't even act like it's happening. Like someone forgot to tell her, oh, we're adding CG here. Act. Yeah. You know? And then he bandages them up with bacitracin and freaking saran wrap. Uh, no, man. Yeah. Like, I love- have some common sense. This is my favorite. The mother goes... Take her to get some ice cream or go to the movies. Yeah, so that's the transition. So after she's bandaged up, she can't even freaking move. She stands at the doorway and waves goodbye. I, okay, do you know how much pain she, I mean, I just can't even fathom. So these two idiots, they go out for freaking ice cream. I mean, that's what she, I mean, I don't blame her. Get the kid away from me. Yeah, so we forgot a scene where we should discuss, because this is important, that um, before any of this happens, we uh, see that the head of the intelligence agency... Yeah, we kind of, like, from the, the, uh, after the burn, I think we automatically cut to a scene of kind of, like, out of time. Right. It's, yeah, so it's out of time, It's like a satellite image of um, the house and the fire happening in it real fast. And so they see a satellite of this heat signature, and for some reason, and then they hear that they see that there was a nine one one call that wasn't no one picked up. They just hung up. They 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 see this and they go, yeah. I actually I think it's a satellite footage of the bathroom explosion. And this was a little jarring because I kept going, what's going on? Especially since as we're seeing this, we hear a phone call. We also get scenes of a janitor. So I kept thinking, is this a janitor at the school? Yeah, I don't know where he was, what he was a janitor of. He was a school janitor, but but uh, he, he wasn't working at her school, Charlie's school. But they saw the heat signature and put two and two together and said, I think it's her. I think we have a link. Now, how do they even know that they had a baby? I, I don't know. Oh, we do know that. We do find that out. That's actually not true. For some reason, they actually went to a hospital. That's right. Well, they had to go to a hospital to, you know, to have a baby, right? And well, they could have had it. I mean, anybody's ever seen The Quiet Place? Oh, yeah. You can just spit you babies out. You can have a baby the... with not even making a peep. Okay. It's genius. Well, um, no, so the, the, the lady that we, we cut to, her, her name is Hollister. She's playing the Martin Sheen role in this movie. So the Martin Sheen was the head of, Holl- uh, the, head of the uh, organization in the 1984 Firestarter. Cap and for short, Joe. It, whatever. Cap for short. He, yeah, Cap for short. So that's what she wants to be called, Cap. Okay, whatever. So uh, so then this actress, Gloria Rubin's playing this role. So they kind of swap the, the genders on it. And uh, I'm not getting diabolical from her at all. I did from Martin Sheen, that's for, for sure. But She has a scene that I kind of like that also didn't go anywhere. Um, but that doesn't come yet. That comes a little bit later because she instantly... This is very reminiscent of the Suicide Squad to me, where it feels like this character is Amanda Waller, and she's calling one of the Suicide Squad to go and do a mission. Okay, yeah, so I get it. It, it feels a little weird. Yeah, she like calls up Rainbird. Okay, so this is Rainbird. This is the, the character of that school that, is Rainbird yes. from the books and the the the, uh, the eighty four movie. Yes, and that, that actor was was George C. Scott playing Rainbird. And um, he's activated, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, they cleverly did not hire a white man to play a Native American. Right. They actually got a Native American here, mm-hmm. which is, thank you. That's great. 
And I kind of like this character in this movie a little bit. Not necessarily where it goes or where it's used for, but he's kind of intriguing. And there are some scenes with him that are pretty cool. Like, I'm not, I'm not against it. So, yeah, uh, keep well, going on. Thing, I'm trying to find the actor's name. Okay, well, one thing that I did not really care for was that in the movie, um, the whole point of Charlie, really, is and why they want her so bad is because they're trying to, like, use her as a weapon. And that's what's going on in in the 84 movie. So it makes sense that if you have a little kid that the actor George C. Scott, you know, the character of Rainbird, they put him in the scenario so that he can kind of pretend he's a janitor at the facility and make friends with Charlie and make her trust him to get her to do what they want. Yes. That makes sense, you know, because she's just a little girl and she's very um, naive and she's easily manipulated. That definitely would work better. It would work better here. But this Rainbird does not, they don't do that with him at all. He's an assassin. Instead of what they say here is, He's an ex-assassin, mm-hmm. a part of their program, which is a little crazy because it's, the establishment here is bizarre and it leads to more questioning. But they say that he's an ex-assassin who was taken out of the thing and let and and left to live his own life. They call him up to say, you're on a new mission. I'm a new head, the cat character. She's saying that she's a, the new head of the DSI. And they want to bring him back in because the last head didn't know what to do. Okay, so my question here is, the government made a super soldier mm-hmm. in this character. And the other main characters, Andy and Vicky, and they let him go? Yeah. They wouldn't keep him on and they wouldn't think he was dangerous enough to kill? Right. He's a dangerous assassin working in a school as a janitor. Right. And... That's bizarre. I know in the book, he is like a cold-blooded killer. And I don't think in the book he has powers. Twist here, he does have powers. Right, he has powers. Just he to is add one of them. Yeah. extra thing. So like, I do like it, yeah. but I don't understand why they would have not had him already in the organization. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So what, it, I mean, they kind of weaponized him, really, because he does their bidding. But um, still... It, it also really doesn't make sense of why he would want to be attacking this child. You That's know. another odd thing. The, the way that she gets him to say yes. Now, the fact that he even has a choice is kind of weird writing. But the way that she gets him to say yes is she tells them, tells him that the two people are just like him. And they have a child. Yeah. And they need the child alive. This is intriguing enough for him to say, okay, I'm interested. Right. I don't know... What about this makes him think, I want to go kill more people like me, and why would I work for an organization that did this to me? Yeah, see, that's what I was going to say. Like, why? He has the power to take them down. He has powers. So, like, he has telekinesis, and he's a freaking assassin. Like, you you can't get any more, you know, dead-on balls accurate than that. It's like, okay... You're working for these this corporation that did this to you, and you, they want you to go and kill a little girl or kidnap a little girl and kill her family. Yeah, and they're just like you. And they also make a note to it say that your specialty is discretion. 
You'll not see any of that in okay, this film. Okay, you will not see that he uses discretion on any, any situation. front at all. Yeah. And so... And a lot of these situations could be easily rectified without needing the brutality that happens in this film. Exactly. It's so bizarre. But then these two are going out for ice cream and they're, they're Yeah, cut you know, back they're to gone. that now. And so... She's waving at the door. She's waving with, with her, her meat fucked up meat slab arms. <laughs> and uh, she's... Then you, you see her packing because they obviously have to get the hell out of there. I but now, think that she's packing to run away from them. Do you think so? I did because get that idea. Zach Efron did say, now we have to pack up and leave. And he told he Charlie, okay. he said, no, he said, pack a bag. Um, you know, we're leaving tonight. So here's the thing about okay, this. That makes more sense because I is, thought she was trying to leave them. No, no, no. He did say, pack a bag, you know, pack your things. We're leaving tonight. So... At that point, they are in real danger, okay? They're in real danger of being found out and exposed. And they go for ice cream. And they leave Arm Slab Lady by herself in the house. You know what made me believe that she was going to leave them? She, when he's wrapping her up in her cell, her meat wraps, she, he's, she says to him, you could have pushed her. Now, push in this movie is the term used for his ability, Mm-hmm. That's which is his... mental wiping basically mental rape yeah the, yes. he gets people to do his bidding yeah he changes your mind makes you do what you want what he so, wants what he wants she says you should have pushed her and he says i wouldn't do that to my child i wouldn't do that to her i would never do that to either one of you yeah i don't now, think she was gonna leave though i really do think that but that's some crazy stuff I mean, he's telling him you should have took care of our child like that. Because I think that she's truly afraid of him. Of her. I mean, she's definitely afraid of Charlie. I mean, she just got her arms lit on fire. She, yes. And I think before that, I thought she's afraid of him. I don't know. I couldn't read the actress's emotions. See, that's the thing. I didn't feel in this movie that the little girl was the issue. I did not like her mom. I don't know who the actress was playing her mom, but that she was really just asleep at the wheel. She's hardly in this movie to even talk about. She was I, in I, it enough to get a vibe. We didn't even talk about this opening scene where Charlie is playing with a lighter, which is so on the nose for the movie that it doesn't work. And that starts off that whole thing with this actress. And I feel, I feel like both of them mm -hmm. feel just kind of miscasted. Okay. Yeah, I, I will I, agree that in the beginning when she's playing with the lighter, it kind of is like, okay, I was like, you Ugh. start fires. I was you like, wow. You start fires. Yeah. But she doesn't know that yet, does she? Yeah, she does. Because remember, they say that um, they make a, a comment of saying, you know, the bad thing. I feel like the bad thing is going to happen again. And he's like, it's been a long time since that's happened. It's not going to happen again. Okay. So they talk about the bad thing so she's being... she's playing with a fucking lighter? Right. And, it's stupid. It's stupid. But, and um, it's so on the nose that it, it, it kind of is a big problem with the movie is not understanding the tones and sure as shit the tone is very important while talking about this movie and talking about the scene we're about to talk about so she goes back in the house and she senses that something's wrong and she sees that the back door is open but before she can react there's a knock at the front door again of course a cop shows up right Right when Zac Efron pulls out of the, the driveway and doesn't see this cop? Right, and that's another thing, too. So when you, I mean, you dial 911, even if it's by accident or whatever, 
no matter what, the police will come to your house immediately. They're going to investigate. They're yeah. going to come to your house, even if it's an accidental call or you call and you hang up. Whatever the case may be, if you dial 911, the police are coming to your apartment yeah, um, or your house. We're cutting to maybe at an hour or so after this incident, after her um, meat flabs are bandaged and everything. Then the cop shows up and says, we got a call, a 911 call from this resident. Yeah. Is everything okay? She makes up a lie. And she makes up some horse shit and yeah, everything's fine. But that already is like, okay, you waited all this time to, to come. I mean, I guess they had to because movie. Yeah. But um, after the cop leaves, the mother turns and, oh, guess who's there? Rainbird. Rain oh, Rain, Rainbird? Rainbird. Thank and you. And he's sitting in the freaking chair and he's got a gun to her. And I This mean, is one of the scenes I actually like and where I was talking about with that actor. Uh, she c- tries to use her, which her ability is uh, telekinesis. Mm-hmm. So she starts throwing things at him. But he says... You're um, you oh, know, you're, you're yeah. rusty. You're, you're rusty. rusty, yeah. And so she's throwing stuff at him, but the more he grabs her meat hand, and she screams, and then she starts really throwing things at him. And there's a great shot, special effects wise, of this actor walking down the hallway toward her, slow motion. He doesn't give a shit. He's we find out he's yeah. got powers too, yeah. and he can read her mind and knows that they went out for ice cream or a movie, right? And. He starts walking toward her in this hallway while all the picture frames are throwing at his head. And it, it looks like the actor did it. Yeah. It the, looks the, really the good. The picture frames are flying off the wall, which she's doing that with her mind. Yeah. And he gets hit. He gets and hit. And it looks really good. And, and he he's, just keeps act, like walking. He's like Michael Myers. He's yes. completely unmoved. And he's like doing the slow walk and he's coming towards her and everything. And I thought that was a really awesome shot. It was just really good. Very well done. So they have a tussle. There's a bathroom. Also, he she explodes something on him. Actually, phases him a little bit. Yeah. So I think she throws a sink or whatever at him. Something. Yeah, it, it hits was him something hard. Big and it hit him hard and he and went he's down. He's phased, but he yeah. still comes after her. He gets yeah. He goes starts going back after her and stuff. So uh, they have a tussle and we don't. Yeah, we don't see from really there on. see from there on. But I will, I'm glad you mentioned it because we have not talked about it yet. The real star of the film. You said Michael Myers, John Carpenter did the score for this film. Yes, he did. And his score is actually very good. I agree with that. It's very cool. It's going back and forth with that synth. And the piano, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it actually works really well. And it, I don't feel like the movie is lit or filmed in a way where it really utilizes that score. No, it doesn't. It but that of, score was one of the highlights. It of- is a highlight. There's scenes in particular in this movie where the score really feels mm-hmm. powerful in moments. It does. It does. And it's actually making moments better, which a good score can do. Mm-hmm. But. The, Every every time you think that that what el- what you're seeing on screen is never elevated to that level, but yeah, uh, I will say it is elevated in the scenes of uh, Rainbird mm-hmm. attacking her. Yeah, I thought their tussle was great, and yeah. here's the it thing actually I- looked good. And she, I thought the actress was doing good here. 
she actually had emotions in this scene. Oh yeah, she, when she, she's hurt, you feel it. Like, I mean, but when she was on fire, you didn't see a damn thing out of her. It, it was, was it was weird. Yeah, it was odd. It's like the director for just literally forgot to give her direction. It or the special weird. effect was real. It was a practical effect, and they didn't told her not to move too much. I mean, have a reaction. You're it, getting it is burned. odd. Yeah, it was weird. But so then you know the tussle happens, and then the. Uh, they come home. Yeah, they come home. They come home and they see that there's a you know a bit of a problem, a disarray, and it takes them a little too long. Yeah, and Charlie says there's someone here. She feels it, but why doesn't he feel it? I mean, doesn't he also have like telepathic abilities? It's weird. He seems to have mind control more than anything else, but he also has had premonitions. Mm-hmm. But it's, never seems to have any of the premonitions he needs to have. Right. So he would have been able to see Rainbird coming, but he, he didn't. And he, this is the thing that, that throws me a little bit about the movie is the fact that he does have premonitions. And Charlie also has the same visions and stuff as her mom and the telekinesis and all that stuff. And they know that someone, that they're going to be coming after them. So they have to pack and leave. Why the fuck would you go out for ice cream? Like, don't you have a sense of urgency? Ice cream. Like, you know that they're gonna come after you. So why would you leave your hurt, like your your injured wife, home alone while you go for ice cream with your kid? It makes no sense. Like, it, it's weird just to get them out of the house, cause movie to the long to to get the plot moving. I mean, I guess, but in it's, the original, they did it really quick. They come home. Heather Locklear is done. She's she falls out of the closet and she's dead. Well, that same thing happens here. She, the wife, falls out of the closet and she's dead. Um, but Charlie like fights back. You know, like she she tries to burn up Rainbird and they have well, a tussle. Well, what's really cool is Rainbird actually is holding Charlie mm-hmm. with a knife to her neck. Yeah, and he cleverly stands behind a lampshade to cover one eye. So Andy can't use his special ability on him because he needs to see both eyes. Yeah, see, that was really cool. That I was, was like, this really is cool. And then, of course, Charlie uh, starts get, getting panicky. Where's mom? Where's mom? Where's mom? And she's starting to cook. And he says, do you feel that? It's going to get worse. Where's my wife? And that's when she falls out of the, the closet. Mm-hmm. And that's where she blows up in flame and pushes him back. Yeah, he get, actually gets hurt. Yeah. So that and, scene was and I want to point out and and this leads to and the only reason I want to break it up because it kind of comes back at the end and I don't think it connects at all but the setup here is that the wife before she the last scene we see with her while he's holding he's strangling her virtually she says you'll you she's basically telling Rainbird why would you do this why would you come after us we're we're just like you if you, when you see my daughter, you'll know that you're doing the wrong thing. When you see her, you'll know. And when she blows up in flame and pushes him back, he's startled. He's a little shocked because he says, you need to see the eyes to use your powers. And she can't see my eyes. Mm-hmm. Little does he know she could do whatever the hell she wants. And she blows him back, almost killing him. He's completely floored by it. And they're able to run away. Right, so they get in their car and they, they, they drive away and who the hell knows where they're going. But they they try to get out of there before the you know EMS and the fire trucks come and stuff. So the next shot is that we see them at like a 
uh, I guess stopped behind a gas station so he could sleep. Uh, yeah, he's able to sleep, uh, and she is, is walking around messing with her powers like they're fun. I mean, here's the thing. First of all, Zach Efron, your wife just got murdered. Your house blew up. The police are probably on your tail. Yeah. The what do you call it? The scientific intelligence agency or whatever is coming after you. Um, You got all these problems, but you're taking a little nap. His wife, his wife's death does not have any impact on him whatsoever. So I was like, okay, this is where I started to fall off a little bit with Zac Efron and his emotions. Because in the beginning of the movie, I felt it that he was, you know, he had some, some warmth and some kind of, you know, feelings towards somebody, but like I said, it, we never felt like I never felt like they were really actually a couple. They they were actually married. Beyond that, I, I feel like the something happened in the directing where things were cut from the film because little shots of him falling asleep at the wheel. Maybe they've been driving for a day, and he's like exhausted. Yeah, that's that could be uh, it. But they something just... like that needed to be filmed. Instead, mm-hmm. they just cut to him passing out at the wheel stop behind a gas station. But what's uh, you're going on about him? She is far more odd. She, she didn't set have any... her mother on fire. Yeah. Then she saw her mother's dead body mm-hmm. and was almost killed by a man with a knife. Yep. And she can shoot flames out of her body. She goes off to play with her powers. Like like she's having a good time. Yeah, and mind you, does not shed a tear for her mom either. She's not. She doesn't even see emotion. It doesn't seem like the scene that occurred only moments before has actually happened. Right. Well, we have to get more of her powers. And again, this is where the movie cannot figure out its emotional tone. Because she sees a cat. And guess what? It's a red cat. It's got red hair. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It, it's Morris, if anybody knows that. That uh, reference. The little tabby. She's like, oh, kitty, kitty. And this is a junkyard cat. I mean, this is like riffraff. Right. Uh, So the fucking thing scratches her and she blows it up. Yeah. And this is also a funny theme in this movie that she burns things that should die instantly but never seem to die. That's true. And so her father teaches her, oh, you know, he, he wakes up from his little nap and he sees that she he has... saw pre- he also saw he he actually saw his wife's death. Yeah. Because he looked in her eyes when she fell on the floor because they're wide open. Yeah. Uh, she that... got to see every moment. He saw every moment of what happened in that we didn't get to see. Right. And so then he he wakes up and he cries. So I was like, "Oh, this is the first like, you know, real reaction, you know, that he lost his wife and he's feeling it, you know?" But then he sees that Charlie is in this back alley. I think he smells burning cat. Yeah, he smells burning cat. And so he's like, well, what did you do? And, you know, she's like, yeah, he scratched me. It was an accident. I didn't mean to, blah, blah, blah. Well, you got to put it out of its misery. So that's like the lesson here that he teaches her. You got to put it out of its misery. So this is... That's the toll. The toll, yeah. For doing what we do, the toll is... You have to finish the job. Right. So this is the tone for the rest of the movie as well. Um, and But again, it does not... I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Nail that emotional tone for the daughter, for the character of Charlie. It does not feel like it has any of the weight that it's apparently going for. Mm-hmm. And I think that is this movie's biggest problem. You have to put him out of his misery, right? <laughs> He didn't mean to. I know he didn't. I know. This is what it costs, though. 
Because it can't be a reaction like that. It's got to be a, a decision. That's the only way you can control it. You can do it. But yes, uh, I. by the way, I wish Alf would have came out of that trash can and smelled the burning cat and got excited. That would have been really oh, cool. Oh, Jesus. No, he doesn't like his meals charred. He doesn't like a burnt cat? No. He loves cat. No, but he doesn't like them charred. He has to have them still alive. I'm sure there's somewhere in Melmac there's a chef that's all into it. <laughs> He's such a nerd. Yo, Kate, where do you keep your casserole dishes? <laughs> Why? The cat won't fit in the toaster. <laughs> So, um, but so then Gordon they, Shumway, Joe. Gordon Shumway. So, uh, yeah, we all now we get a scene of Cap, the head of the DSI. She goes to the voice that we heard in the opening credits talking during the test, which is read from uh, the '70s show. Can you fly, Bobby? Let's go. Kurtwood Smith. Kurtwood Smith. Yeah, and bless him, he's 80 years old. 80 years old. You were actually shocked because you said, wow, he's looking bad. I'm like, Joe, he's very old. He was old on the 70s show. And you looked it up and found out he was 80. Yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't believe he's that. He's acting from a wheelchair. I don't know if it's that serious for this actor, but I actually think he's doing a great job in this scene. And this scene's actually interesting. And But again, this is another scene that makes everything... You have to question everything that's going on in the universe of what this movie's setting up. Because he's the original scientist who created these these problems. Yeah. And they kind of cast him away and put him in some kind of retirement home. Mental it looks like a mental institution. He's playing with like toys at the you window. Know, he was playing with pixie sticks and yeah. like putting them in colored, colored order. order. Like he, he was having some sort of I mean he could you could call it like a scientific experiment. You don't know. But yeah, he was in some kind of facility. It doesn't feel like the character who is this character would be doing this stuff and it also makes you question how is he even left alive he created what could be seen as the worst weapon ever created right and the, yeah i don't know. and it, it, basically the scene is another amanda waller trying to uh get another person to work for her she's like no you know what you should join us again i took over help us get you know we're not going to clone her we're not going to take make super soldiers we just want to make her hone her abilities and have her be on our side. And he's yeah. like, yeah, she's going to be an atomic bomb. Yeah. And she's going to kill everybody. Yeah. You need to shoot her in the head. Yeah. And then it's a good scene because Kurtwood Smith is a great actor. He really is a great actor. The problem here is she's like, I really wish you wouldn't have gone this way. And now you think there's going to be some kind of emotional toll. Like we're going to see his dead body or she's going to shoot him in the head. Never go back to this ever again. No, there was no point in this other than to just give, I guess, the pay States? homage yeah. to show that he's he was a character in the original 1984 movie. Is he? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Dr. Joseph something or other. But um, I forgot who played him. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I guess he's just the guy who created them in, in, yeah. in the lore. But I think this scene was only to over-establish how powerful she is. And again, like I'm saying akira level powers yeah um, she's she could blow up the earth freddie jones played him in the original which is funny freddie jones there you go <laughs> but no so yeah but the thing is that 
there's no point to going to have that conversation at all. It was it's just for us to pointless. understand the stakes, like I'm saying. But yeah. it, it, it's, it doesn't go anywhere like you think it's going to. You think it's going to come back in some way or there's going to be a connection with Kurtwood Smith's character. Nope. It's just there to give us audience stuff that we already can figure out on our own. We can figure it out. At this point, we cut back to Andy and Charlie, and Andy explains the story to her. So now we get some little bit of details. So it turns out they escaped the facility, got pregnant, and they went to a hospital and she gave birth. But the reason that her mother calls her muffin or whatever it is. Buttery muffin. Oh my God. Every time they said it, it felt so weird. <laughs> they said, you're so, you were so warm. You were so warm. The doctors and, couldn't figure out why she was but so they, warm. But Andy explains that it was more than that. You wouldn't stop getting hotter. And the doctors were freaking out. So we stayed up with you all night. Somehow, a guy came in the hospital and stole the baby. Although he just said that they didn't leave her side. Right. Uh, so a guy stole the baby. And he was able to figure out who it was, track the baby down. And when he found the person who stole the baby, by the way, who's really nice to the baby, he's playing with the baby. This is like a hitman that's playing with the baby. It's right. really weird. He uh, tells this guy, when your partner gets here, shoot him in the chest and kill him. And, they'll f and then forget to breathe. Yeah. And this guy does it. And he forgets to breathe and dies too. And I said, this power is incredible. I can't wait to see him use more versions of this power. No, every version he uses of this power going forward is very lame. Yeah. There's a cool idea, but you're just wondering, why don't you tell everybody to go... You know, stop breathing. Yeah, well, he uses the real... Okay, so... Bite your tongue. You know, swallow your own tongue or something like that. Something you know? like that, yeah. Die. But, like, in the... um, So, in the next scene, we, he he's... The two of them are abandon their car. And they're just, like, walking along the side of the road. And um, the character of Irv pulls over. Um, this actor's John Beasley. He actually recently passed away. He's in everything. Um, but, yeah, he, he pulls over and... Uh, I guess that's when Andy uses his power and says, "Here, I'll, I'll give you a hundred dollars if you if you just give us a ride to Boston. We're going to Boston." I and like this a bit, by the way. Some idiot, uh, I don't know why, on IMDb wrote this as trivia as a goof, but didn't understand the scene. He's actually holding up at a dollar bill. Yeah. But he tells him he's holding up at a hundred. Mm -hmm. So when we see his perspective, we see a hundred dollar bill. So he actually grabs a hundred dollar bill, but we know. That he's actually making him see a hundred dollar bill, right? And he's using someone his wrote power. that and said that was a goof. But see, I like, understand. You point here. I understand how that could be regarded as a goof because usually when he uses his powers, his eyes bleed. His eyes did not bleed in that scene. It depends on how hard he goes with his, the push. He, they say that if it's something simple, if he goes, he says, "The harder I go deeper, the worse I get." Okay, that's true. And he, when the first time we see him bleed. He was going on and on, and he was going into this woman's psyche, and then realized yeah. he was going too far. He was getting right. carried away. Yeah, yeah. So, so he he tricks him. He tricks the old man Irv into giving them a ride, and for whatever reason, they end up on Irv's farm. Ar Irv just says, "Hey, you know what? I know I'm going to drive you to Boston, which is apparently a very far drive from wherever they are." He just says, "You know what? Though I go get food at this time. You guys want some dinner?" Now, he already tricked him into driving him to Boston, but for some reason, Irv is just like, first we gotta go get dinner. Yeah. 
But that does end up happening in the original movie. They do. It's, uh, I believe, Art Carney that plays Irv. Um, he's he, he and his wife do take them in. And the wife is not an, uh, you know, an injured person. Okay. So she's she's fine but i like that though there's a part of that that's actually kind of a neat idea yeah so charlie stumbles upon and they get to the farm charlie stumbles upon um irv's wife who had had some kind of accident and she's like on life support and uh charlie starts communicating telepathically with her they cut away that we don't know exactly what they were you know what was transpiring until later but um you know long story short they um Irv is watching the news. Uh, I guess Andy and, and Charlie are asleep. And Irv is watching the news. He sees that they are want, you know, he's a wanted fugitive. He has been, you know, changing his name multiple times. He has multiple pseudonyms. He's on the run. And so I guess Irv calls the police. In a drunken stupor. In a drunken stupor. Now, this guy has consumed no less than 12 beers that and, are, like, surrounding him. And also is repeating the news clips, like, over and over on television. Yeah. And so he is coherent enough to call the police, so he calls the police. <laughs> and not kill them in their sleep. Yeah, and then uh, after maybe 30 seconds of Andy explaining, no, I didn't kill my wife, this is my daughter, you know, and explaining the whole situation... The police end up do arriving, and they... Well, before that, uh, uh, Charlie conf- you know, makes Irvin believe that they are telling the truth. Because she says, I, I, I have a, you know... She basically says, I have a gift. I talked to your wife, and she forgives you for what happened because he caused the car accident one time. That caused On the car accident, accident that actually put her in put this her coma in for this 30 coma. years. And she's in yeah. there, and she forgives him. And he tell- she tells him, what, which makes him believe... So he tries to stop the cops outside by saying that he was drunk and it was a mess up. Yeah, so but like maybe what three uh, cop cars show three up? Three cops, three local cops show up. And it, just when you think that um, you know that Irv is out there, he's you know kind of you know breaking up the situation and defusing everything, then out of nowhere he's just talking to the cop, and boom, the cop gets shot in the head. Then you see the next cop get shot, and then the next cop gets shot, and pretty soon all the cops are, are just dead. And then they cut to that it's um, Rainbird, and he's sniping everybody. Yeah, so, the, I, I would love to know how Rainbird got here. Yeah, that's because what I was going to ask you. I know that he's an expert tracker or whatever, and maybe he has some, and we find out later on, I guess it's his attachment to people who have powers. I don't really understand his power very much. It seems to me that he has the same kind of uh, telekinesis that they have. It's some kind of mind power. Yeah, definitely some kind of like connection power. He can hear thoughts. Yeah. But I don't know how he gets here in time because he gets here what seems to be before the police to set up sniping. Right. So how did he know? How did he even know? And yeah, he snipes all the cops, kills them all. Again, this is him making a mess out of nothing. He could have waited until the cops left. Mm Mm-hmm. And he even shoots the old man in the lake. Yeah. And this makes Charlie go ape shit and fire start, basically. Yeah, so she blows out the door of the house, which seemed unnecessary. Unnecessary. And the special effect, everything about that made, it just, her portraying, it did not, it doesn't feel real. It just feels like another forced moment. Yeah. Yeah, I won't lie that a lot of the special effects with the fires, it, it didn't they, bother me. I mean, they seem like a little cheesy. Um, I, I don't thought know. the effects looked good, 
because I, I can tell a lot of them are practical. It, it just sometimes they were done like showy for no reason. Not even a cool showy. Not even like a thought out. We'll get to the last yeah, shot. It was it was over the top. I think and like like just little things that they did in the nineteen eighty four movie like. Little Drew, she was like sweating profusely when she would start the fires, and that would make sense, you know. This little girl didn't even have like a bead of sweat well, on her. She's just constantly doing it like a a forehead, like eyebrow scrunch, and that's it. Yeah, like I mean, Drew actually moved her body, you know, to and she like she does that thing where she scrunches or her she makes a fist and she scrunches. Um, and her hair blows, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But this girl, it just seems like they hone in on her, her face and she screams like a, <laughs> scream like a banshee. Um, and then like the flame just comes out of her from like emanates from it's her. It's like a funny little ball of light it's, shoots it's out the door. It's weird. I don't. It's just like, you could have just opened it. There was no, yeah. uh, what, what would uh, Reagan say? That's a vulgar display of power, Karis. <laughs> That's not the first thing I thought, you know. And I, uh, uh, when she goes outside, she confronts Rainbird, but so does Andy. Andy says, remember what I told you. Now, she just shot the door down like she was going to fight him. Right. And, and instead of that, Andy says, run. And then she goes, okay. And Andy tries to have a fa- like a face-off with Rainbird. Mm-hmm. And he falls to his knees, bleeding profusely out of his eyes. And I will say that there's another problem with the movie that it seems very edited bizarrely in some of these upcoming scenes. And this is one of them. It, it is a cool moment because Rainbird just passes him off and says, you're weak. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to find her in the field that she's running in. And then he it kind of, they disappear. And you're like, wait a minute, what the hell's going on? And Charlie now disappeared. Yeah, Charlie disappeared. But and it's not that. It's actually Andy in his mind making him believe that he was chasing her when he was standing still. Right. It was and really he goes, cool. That was clever. It's what we mentioned earlier but about his power. Instead of doing that, Andy, why don't you say kill yourself? Right. See, that's the thing too. Like he can do that. He can do that. He but can do a lot. Didn't Rainbird have the the um, contacts in or something? No. Because his eyes were staring right at him. Why would he knowingly go in, you know, open-eyed? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make a lick of sense. He he covered his eye up earlier saying that he knew that Andy could do this. Right. But now he doesn't give a shit. And what you were just bringing up, because uh, he Andy buys enough time. For Charlie to get away into the forest. Right. She runs and keeps running and running and, and running. And he's like, I did good. Mm-hmm. But the problem is now we get an entire squad of this DSI people that are virtually like FBI agents. Mm-hmm. And then we get established that they have microchip eye lenses that they put in their eyes that blocks them from using powers, which convenient because only one character apparently rainbird had said early in the movie that you need the eyes so it's kind of iffy exactly what how much of that is true because if uh vicky was still alive she would have been chucking things at them true and also i feel like another thing is that's why i'm so happy in 1984 they didn't have technology you know because I feel like this kind of technology, like you have access to this technology. 
why would you need a little girl that can start fires? You know, like I mean, she is the ultimate weapon. I mean, she gets her fires. She can't. She's not she, an atom bomb. They say she is. I mean, she could start fires though. That would mean that she would, if she turned into like a freaking nuclear weapon. They're, they're not saying she's nuclear. They, she, that's it, what Kurt Wood Smith said. That was the whole point of that scene. Is she's going to go atomic and she's going to kill everybody. She's going to be the last thing on this earth. Okay. Well, if that's true, then it doesn't make the end of the movie make any sense. But whatever. Well, so, she, they said that he said she's only starting to use her powers because she's so young. The older she gets, the powers are going to get worse. The funny thing is about this. Okay. How the fuck does he know? Because she was born. I know. And they went on the run. So there has been zero. And I mean zero experimentation on this kid. I'm guessing it's just like, like a thing of numbers. Just saying that if this and this were to get together, and if that child had both powers, it would be worse. And I, I, I don't know if in that scene, and I kind of remember Cap saying to him that she can do multiple things. How and do that's they when know? He's like, yeah, I don't know. That's I think it was a report from Rainbird because Rainbird, after he got exploded in the house, he went back to her and told her what was going on. Okay, fine. But like I said. He saw that she was able to blow up like fire and push him away without even looking at him. Yeah. And then he said it's way worse than that. We, we get more of that later on, but not enough. None of this is established enough. It's very sloppy. It's this, very quick and sloppy. This movie is very sloppy. I mean, it, they set up things that they never go into further. So we're just like, okay, how do you even know what this little girl can do? You've never even seen her. Yeah. So and like, that's and that's a big thing. When you see her, you'll know is a big thing in this movie. But I would say that that's funny because I feel like when I see, every time we see her, it's very underwhelming. So it's kind of I know what they're going for that she's supposed to be like the phoenix from X Men. When you see it, you know how powerful it is. When you when this thing happens, it's going to blow you away. It's going to change your life. And that never really occurs, although characters act like it is occurring. Uh, That's what I'm saying. This, like, Why are you acting like you know everything? You know, this Amanda Waller type character. What's her face? Cap. Um, yeah, Cap. I'm like... Come on. First of all, you've never even seen this kid at all. Yeah. I mean, that's the big thing. You when you you'll see, you'll find out. That's that's what Rainbird after this basically uh she shows up and she yells at them at the farm. She says, "Does this look discreet? Like look at the shit in your wake. You've killed all these cops. Like everybody knows that apparently they're going to kill the, the guy at the farm." Right. He got shot in the lake. He's there he's seeing in Saul. Mm-hmm. They're going to kill him. Uh the his house is on fire by the way. And he's got a a woman in a coma in the other room. Like, that's kind of fucking crazy. But Rainbird is responsible for all of this. And he's like, it's okay. I got you what you wanted. And he's like, the girl's not here. And he's like, I have her father. They're mentally connected. Not once has that been shown very at all really it hasn't been established no at all. Like, he, even if they had like one scene her and zach efron where they had some kind of like they were speaking to each other telepathically that would make sense or and i can i can rewrite this movie to fix almost all these problems all they needed is when she blew up the school they both sensed it and were already at the school right like they just the scene of them doing whatever they're doing and stopping mm-hmm. you know that's it that's all you need to establish that they have some kind of bond. Right. 
well, that all of these people have a bond that maybe they can send each other, like Jedi. Like, uh, who I mean, knows? she does have a moment like that where she's in the forest and she's trying to figure out how she's going to get back to her dad, and she does see a vision of the building, the uh, DS whatever building, and she sees a vision of it, so she knows what it looks like. Um, so that's... But you do know that wasn't anything to do with Andy. No. Yeah, that's actually told. Like, so that's what happens next. Like, he says that the connection be- between the father and the daughter is going to lead her to want to look for her father and come after her. So she's he, she's going to come to you at the DSI headquarters in a forest somewhere, right? And they actually put a bandage around Rainbird's head, his eyes, and he's like, "I don't need my eyes covered to know to sense to see your fear." And mm-hmm. she's like, I'm not afraid. I am I know we're going to win this. I know that she's going to come to us and we're going to get her to, on our side. And she's like, you fucked up royally. And Rainbird says this line, which is really weird. She says, uh, "When basically says, when you see her, you'll understand she is my sister, my mother. And she's like, well, you killed her father. So now you're his, her father. Yeah, I didn't understand I, that part. And I would love it if someone could explain that to me. It's a, like, it's a reference of, like, a religious reference to him. Because he, she's like Mother Earth. When he sees her, he apparently, like she said, when Vicky said to him, when you see her, you'll understand. To him, she's like the next evolution line. He's supposed to be enamored by her. But... Again, that wasn't done well enough. If he saw her when he she pushed him back and she had like the phoenix around her or fire wings or something like that, mm-hmm. just to give her something special, then I'd say, yes, this would make sense that he saw something spiritual to him that made sense to him. But that wasn't done. It does not work in its context especially after he assassinated a bunch of people if he was thinking that she was special he would be trying to help her instead he leads her to him so what they do here is like you said she starts trying to hone her abilities and she sees a flash of the dsi headquarters in the forest and she goes to it and on her journey walking there she uses her abilities more and more so she sees some kids who of course try to bully her again and she gets each she does push abilities on all three of them she takes their bike their sandwiches you know their food she's able to do all of this that her father can do we've seen that she uses her mother's ability with moving things we now see that she has telekinesis and uh mind abilities and she has fire, like pyrokinesis. So she is like all around using multiple abilities. So she is like everything times two. I don't know if she's also mind reading like Rainbird can. They didn't I don't give really us know. that that um, impression. That yeah, she or can premonitions. Read. We don't really know. But Mm-mm. she goes and she's able to find the DSA headquarters because someone point the kids point out where the ocean is. That's all she needed it, to know, like, apparently. where's the coast? Yeah, and that's it. And so that's all you need to know? Yeah. She goes there, and she sneaks in. It's so easy for her, by the way, to sneak in. They know that she's coming, though. 
Rainbird's like, she's coming. They have Andy tied up, by the way, and he's he can't do anything. They have those contacts in, so he can't even do anything. But she gets in this base and she kills an agent from behind. And it's like it's it's it does not work again. It's another one of those scenes with this girl that don't does not work. It's a basically a redone scene of the cat where she's talking to this guy trying to get him to tell all the information to get his card to do the locks to get the key card yeah, the key card and so she's in the back seat of his car while he's in the driver's side and she kind of just walks into the car and um he he's like oh, you know i don't have access to anything blah 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 I'm just an agent and yeah, then he takes a- her his gun out like he's gonna shoot her and then she completely blasts him and of course, he's still alive, and so she's... able enough to turn around and look at her. Again. Yeah, like it was like that Giancarlo Esposito moment yes. in Breaking Bad, where half his body was blown up. It was that, um, and so she's like, "Okay, gotta finish the job." I don't want to hurt anyone. I promised. He's in pain, Charlie. You have to put him out of his misery. This is what it costs. So she finishes him off. And I'm like, okay, we don't need this. This is this is useless crap because later on we, we see her using her abilities. Oh, the only reason I wanted to bring that up though before you go on with it, I was she says again every line of dialogue Zach Efron's Annie character told her. Well, now that you did it, you got to go through with it. You have to put him out of his misery. And she actually, you, you think that maybe would hear his voice. Instead, she actually repeats all those lines of dialogue in the most stale delivery ever. She 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 was like a freaking robot. It's, it's it, it again. It, in that scene. It does not work. I don't know what they were thinking with that even having that line of dialogue. Like, you, we, we understand that. It could be done in a way where you feel that her pain of having to kill somebody, right? For the but first time, you don't feel the pain. You don't of this feel kid. any of it. It almost feels comical when she's just like, "Oh, I had to put you out of misery. I didn't want to. Sorry." Yeah, and so she's, she's like done. She gets out of the car after killing the guy. She goes. She kind of traverses the hallways of the building, and they see her on the camera finally. And uh, the all the SWAT guys come. She takes them out. Pew, pew, pew. No, they actually lead her to Andy. They're, well, they, they don't actually attack her. They just they, constantly they let keep her, letting her yes, get to they Andy. they let her get through, and then she's banging on the glass, Daddy, Daddy, and here comes non-Amanda Waller. Well, Andy f- says first, why did you come here? I told you to run. And she says, I got your info. You sent me where you were to save you. Yeah, you and sent he says, me a location. that wasn't me. Yeah. Because it was Rainbird. Right. Rainbird was somehow able to communicate with her in her mind. To send images of where to go. Yeah. And that's where I was like, this wasn't told. None of this was set up. It's yeah, a one weird of reveal. Weird too is that about Rainbird, since you brought up Rainbird, is the fact that he's in like prison clothes. Yeah, they have him locked up. What the fuck? Okay, first of all, this guy has power, could take out every single one of you. Yeah. Why would he allow himself to be stuck in a cell after doing all the dirty work for the company? It, it makes I no think sense. it ties into this ending here, but we'll have to get to it to even explain, like, talk about that. Because, again, another thing that is not established enough to make it make sense. So, Andy's like, 
you know, basically a, a, a cap comes around here and does her little taunting thing, basically saying, you can't torch me without torching your father. And I don't want to hurt you. My name's Cap. You can call oh, my name's Captain, whatever. You can call me Cap. And uh, I just want to help you. We don't want to hurt you. We don't want to do any of this. This has all been an accident. We just want you on our side. We want to make sure you're able to use your abilities and control them. We're on your side. We're going to do good. You're an, we're going to make you an honest to God superhero. Yep. And then Andy says, you know, he looks up and says to his daughter, I want you to burn it all down. I'm sorry, but you need to do this. And he pushes her with his last ability because they're telling us that he, the, he's got a brain tumor. Every time he uses it, he's the mm -hmm. tumor's killing him. And that's why he's bleeding out of the eyes. So the more he uses his ability, the more his brain is destroying itself. Yeah. So he uses his ability and pushes his daughter into going next level apeshit. He basically unlocks her abilities. It's the only way. Easy. Easy. Burn me and burn him too. And she goes on a rampage. She sets and so she burns Cap and her father alive. And then goes on a killing spree like you were talking about, where she starts killing all of the uh, guards, all of the people in the building. And I would say that none of these are as cool as they should be. No. Not all of them feel a little too... Something about it feels tame. Uh, we, we, by the way, again, though, the John Carpenter score is amazing. Mm -hmm. You know why John Carpenter was it did the score? Because he almost directed the first movie. The 84 movie, he was supposed to direct it, but the thing bombed, and they didn't have him do it. But instead, he did Christine, another Stephen King movie. Yep. Uh, I think Christine's that was interesting. awesome. Yeah. Oh, it's a, oh, yeah, amazing film. Um, yeah, but the score is awesome, but none of these kills, none of these amazing moments are really working. I think there was some, like, really gory stuff done in the, the novel with the guards being... The flames making them run out to guard do dogs that were eating them. The yeah. guard dogs start attacking all the people. That kind of stuff's cool. It's like a next level. Make it scary. Like all I could think was that scene where Kaneda wakes up and can't use his abilities in Akira and starts blowing up all the scientists in the hallways. Yeah. But and there's none of that here. Yeah. And you could just watch that. Or just watch the Kaneda breaking out of jail in Akira and to see the score, everything working and making you just feel creeped out. Where this, it just feels very TV movie. It does feel TV. Oh my God, I'm glad you said that because I was thinking about it too. Um, it does feel very, very like TV, made for TV. And um, and there's, I don't feel the menacing, like I know that she's supposed to be like next level, you know, angry flipping out she just set her father on fire and all that i just don't feel that from her i don't feel that emotion from her i think she's a really cute kid i think she did a fine job i mean she's a, a kid actor i forgot to, to mention this i have to mention this because you were talking about drew barrymore's hair flowing with like the kinetic abilities like mm -hmm. making it feel like it's going 
like Super Saiyan. Mm-hmm. She puts on a hoodie in this movie. She puts on a hoodie in this movie, and uh, that's it. That's the end of it. And so and when then she takes it off, she's torching everybody. Yeah, she's torching everybody, and then the guys come in like they do in the original movie with the flame retardant suits, and um, she has to go like to eleven to get any kind of reaction from them. You know, because the, the suits, the suits, you know, kind of prevent the fire. That's the job of the suit. Yeah. But then, out of nowhere, you know, the fire's going crazy, and she's trying to torch everybody. And then Rainbird comes in and just shoots everyone. Yeah, one of the they, they she falls to the ground because she uses a lot of her ability, and it doesn't work. And the first uh, suited person takes off their helmet to go. We got her. And we, we were laughing because we thought it was Will Ferrell at first. Oh my like, god, Will like Ferrell did look like him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they all get shot from behind. And if, and which the bullet luckily does not hit Charlie, right? But uh, kills all the guards, and then it's Rainbird who puts down his gun, gets on his knees in front of her, like as if to say, "Okay, you can kill me." And then puts his hands behind his back, like a like a basically like a religious sacrifice, right? Which again is not established. And he said, "I just." I think he says, I just wanted to watch you burn it all. I don't know if that was in that version, but there is a deleted scene where this is different. Um, yeah, in this version, she starts cooking. He starts, his steam's coming off his body. His innards are being boiled. But she stops because she sees a image of herself in a mirror, in a reflection. And she takes down her hoodie and stops doing what she's doing. Because she she she's covered in blood. Yeah, she realizes... I've become this thing. I don't know. Again, that isn't isn't set up enough that she's scared of hurting people. Right. But that would have worked better if that reflection was seen. But since we watched her kill the cat and seemed very like emotionless or torched her mother or saw her mother's dead body and was a kind of emotionless, yeah. it doesn't work that she sees herself and is like, oh, look what I've become. Yeah. It, it just doesn't feel like that. That's- it just feels like this is a scene where she's like, oh, I'm tired. I want to stop. And that's what it feels like. She kind of walks away, leaves Rainbird. She just walks outside as the place is blowing up. And again, this is another special effect that could have been cool. But flames are starting all over the beach as she's walking. But they're far away and they're in strips. It would have been cool if it was trailing her. Right. That would have been cool too. And she just sits down on the sand. But like, you're right. I do feel that at that moment she was having an epiphany. It's like, uh, not when you were burning your mom, you know, not or when not you burn when your father. you burn your father and not when you, um, you know, you killed a cat or anything like that. It was just now you're having this yeah. epiphany. Not when you saw your mom's dead body, nothing. It, it does it not weird. connect. And what's even more jarring is that Rainbird comes up and holds his hand out and she takes it and he picks her up. And at one scene... In the front shot, she's like cuddling up against him. And the back shot, it looks like she's dead. Yes, her, her arms are, are like flapping. And it, it's weird. Like, I don't understand that scene at all. It's like... I don't either. Because in the original movie in 1984, Drew Barrymore runs back to the farm. And she ends up staying with that sweet old couple. Yes, Irv and sense. his wife who, you know, help them out and take care of them. So she ends up going back to that farm. Because her father's dead at the end yeah, and everything. wouldn't connect with Rainbird, who murdered your mother. Yeah, I don't understand. Where is she 
what what state of mind is she in right now? I don't and understand. And how does it. that even have anything to do with the film? Like, what does he feel like a bond with her now? Yeah, like I said, he feels like she is the next evolution. Like she is his goddess. Like she said, he said she's my mother and my sister. That shit's which creepy. Is mother Earth type of thing. Like she is a part of all of us. She is our mother. I, whatever. It did not get built up, and I guess this was a a reshot sequence. Because uh, the original uh, deleted ending is her, her just falling to going to the beach and the camera zooming in her eye, and it's very established that she killed Rainbird, but not shown, and then she just has a flame in her eye, and that was the ending. And I I gotta say I like this ending better than that. That's a very very weak uh, sequel bait ending. This one at least says. Oh, they're going to go off as like the next evolution. He's going to help raise her as some kind of like, like repentant type thing. But it doesn't work. It, It, none of it works in a way that it's satisfying. The emotional aspects. And I, again, I, I hate to bring up the actress, but I feel like it really, really relies on a strong performance from your lead character, who is the fire starter. And none of it is coming across more than just like, eh, I'm agitated. I mean, I do agree with you. Here's the thing. I feel like the original fire starter did well because not just because Drew Barrymore was already an established actress at the time. I think it did well because they had... A director directing them. I feel like, you know, and I've said this in the past many times, you're only as good as your director. So if your director is not giving you the proper direction, then your movie's going to be a piece of shit. And like the mother being on fire and not having a damn, you know, bat an eyelash, like you're on fire. You don't move or flail or anything. You just stand there. That was weird. And that's another problem with the director giving her no direction so i feel like this kid was picked for a reason she obviously auditioned and probably had a a cool screen test or something i feel like it's not the actress's fault i feel like the director is the one that's supposed to be giving them acting directions so her lack of emotion her lack of of any kind of emoting at all is the director's fault yeah i mean they i mean they do say you're only as good as your director for a reason but yeah i i I definitely see that the director is lacking a little bit of a visual style that he needs to gel the movie together. And I also feel like the script didn't hammer in the emotional tolls enough. But but Zac Efron is managing, and the actor playing Rainbird are at least managing to do a little bit of interesting stuff with their characters uh, and bringing across the emotions that they are supposed to. So I, I'm a little I, I, I all I over the know. board with this, but yes, I hate to knock a young girl. How would she know? Like again, it's not I, of her course, fault. It's, it's not, not her fault. No, it, it's it just wasn't. I don't think it was a smart choice. I think they needed to have somebody who was at least understanding a little bit more of without that directing. Uh, you know, being told, like right. seeing like, oh, my, wouldn't my character do this, or wouldn't my character be a little more emotional here, or mm-hmm. shouldn't we? And, and this definitely could... And this is the thing that I think this bothers me the most, I guess. This could have been really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This actually felt like it was going to be pretty decent. 
And I thought for a little bit there, I was like, this is actually going to be better than I thought it was. And unfortunately, it just didn't emotionally resonate at all. No, there throughout. was like the emotions were just there. There was there there were none. I yeah, mean, there just I, that's, were that's none. That's the end. Yeah, and like problem. in in the original movie, and I hate to keep going back, but this is a remake, and you have to do comparisons. Um, we we felt Drew's utter, like you know when when her dad got hurt. You know, she was crying and screaming, Daddy. And, you know, she really brought it. And like I said, this kid, who knows how good of an actress she is. She didn't really get a chance to show what an actress she is or can be. She was coming off some TV stuff from before this. That was all she had before this. Well, you know, no one told her. I mean, you're in a horror movie. This is a horror movie. You should, you know, kind of elevate things a little bit. Yeah. It this did not seem like that at all. It it seemed more like you know could just been on TV. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know comparing this to 1984. Yeah, I don't. I I, I don't think this one holds a candle. No, I mean this falls. I, the other one didn't really touch me either, but this one falls under it. Do you want to give your reviews now and then do our next segment, or do you want to do that after? No, we'll do the reviews. After. Okay. Because I'm going to read you some shit. Yeah. So now this is called uh, Why We Can't Have Nice Things by Joe. <laughs> Why We Can't Have Nice Things. All right. So I have um, one one-star review and one ten-star review. So both ends of the spectrum that I got from IMDb. So we're going to start with the ten-star review. The title of this review is 10 out of 10, Good Movie. Oh. So here we go. Great. This is a mostly enjoyable movie that keeps you invested. I like the premise and the musical score. Unfortunately, the pacing is poor with some scenes where the movie comes to a halt and it builds up to a payoff that is fine, but not fully satisfying. I compare it to the much better Bright Burn, eight stars, which is so much darker with a significantly more satisfying payoff. I had a good time with Firestarter, and Zac Efron continues to prove that he belongs. But there isn't enough payoff, substance, depth, or mental stimulation to warrant multiple viewings. It is a great movie. I like this so much. That's a 10-star review. I mean, I don't understand. In their review, they said a better movie is a movie that's eight stars. Yes. This is... I don't understand these people. Okay. What what is that? What's the purpose of this review? This just goes... Okay, let me just read the one-star review before I voice my complaint. Okay, so the one out of ten. Quite possibly the worst film I've ever seen. come on. I love movies, so always try and look at things from a half-glass-full perspective. Seeking positives wherever I can find them. But that is pretty much impossible with this film. Bland characters, tired story, weak script uninspiring direction, lackluster performances. There really is nothing to enjoy with this film. Avoid at all costs. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say that none of you know how to review a movie. You're telling me that you write 10 out of 10, and then the title of your review is Good Movie? You gave this a 10 out of 10. I think by far with that review is that Brightburn is better, but he gives that an eight. 
It, yeah, I don't understand. Interesting. Okay. So, w- w- what school of reviewing movies did you go yeah, what, to? What does that mean? Is it do like I feel like these people do that on purpose to try to push the review in one direction? But are they dumb enough not to understand that it would just be a mediocre? Like if you gave it tens and everybody gave it ones, it would still fall somewhere in the middle. Right. So if Brightburn is an eight and and that movie was better than this movie. In your opinion? Yeah, then Brightburn should be the 10, and this should be the 8. Or this would be the 7. Yeah, well. Or the 6. They don't know that those scores like that work. Well, I have no words for this 1 out of 10. I mean, really? Let me tell you something, okay? I say this every time. You have not seen a bad movie. If you're saying that this movie is the worst movie you have ever seen, then you have not seen shit. Um, Beyond that, though, um, John Carpenter's score alone. John yeah. Carpenter's score alone, this is a person who looks at a movies and tries to find the best and says there's nothing. There's definitely some decent scenes. There's definitely good practical effects. Some of the actors are pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't mind it. There was, I thought the opening title stuff was interesting. I, uh, I liked some of the deliveries. I, I, to say that, and I actually think this was close to being a pretty decent movie. Yeah. Uh, it was very close. I even liked the, the, like you said, the actor at the farm. The yeah. whole thing with him, like mm-hmm. he's talking to the cop outside, and I, I kind of liked it. I'm I mean, like, I liked. I, I there's a lot of things that I found interesting about this movie. Um, you know, the very little time that that fight went on with what's his name, Rainbird, mm-hmm. and the mother and Vicky. Yeah. yeah, and Vicky. I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. I mean, the they practical did some effects cool in that stuff. scene alone is worth a yeah, oh, worth a watch. Um, that brings me to my personal review. I think this movie was fine it was mediocre yeah mediocre. I, I don't think that it was over a five simply because there's you know something's wrong with it with the acting and the emotions and things like that not coming through and like i said this is a remake so we have to compare it to the 1984 version and there was more coming out of drew barrymore out of her face than yeah. and, than any any actor in the drew barrymore's on that list of kid actors that just constantly nailed it yeah like you know it was just always showed up and just brought so much personality always it's a it's a weird thing it, it to me it's weird especially when you see movies like it where the kid mm-hmm. is the kids are so good in that new it movie mm-hmm. and then you see a movie where you're like ah you can tell the difference here what like kids who are getting it and kids that just don't get it yet you right. know yeah and and i feel like that's the problem here should have been caught on set. They should definitely have been doing a lot more test runs. Yeah. You know, like, this needed one of those Eric Stoltz moments where they're like, this isn't working. Let's yeah. Let's get Michael J. Fox. Right, yeah. I, I just, I feel like this this movie is, is not on that spectrum of 10. It's not on that spectrum of 1. It is a mediocre movie. It was well filmed. Um, you know, maybe not well directed, but there were some things in there that were pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I would have switched out the actress that was the mother. She didn't really thrill me at all. But otherwise, no. I mean, it does not hold up against 1984 Firestarter. Yeah. It just doesn't. Yeah. This movie is a five for me. Yeah, uh, it's a perfect score. Mediocre five is perfect for this movie. And so because we introduced uh, not too long ago our list of what is the worst movie ever made list where we're the movies that we do on this show – where does this movie fall? This is definitely now in the in the back anyways, right? This definitely follows up Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which is still number one for both of us. And <laughs> then Street Fighter, right? And then Street Fighter. 
This is definitely, um, is this better or worse than Street Fighter? Oh, this is better. <laughs> it's better than Street Fighter. And it's also not, it's not better. Would you agree that this is definitely not better than the new Mortal Kombat? The 19, uh, 2021 no, Mortal I don't Kombat? Think, no, I don't think this is better than the new Mortal Kombat. No. So, no. yeah, this is definitely falling right after those movies. Yeah. Well, with well, uh, Mortal Kombat in the in the, the back. Yeah. Because I don't even think we're putting Mortal Kombat on that list because it's a six, right? We it's were both a six, we, we kind yeah. of agreed, and the original Mortal Kombat as well. Yeah, uh, we're saying that the ones on the list so far are definitely Annihilation, Street Fighter, and now this. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. So uh, one more question. I'm going to see if we can do this on each episode of the month. What's a movie? Just name one movie. I'm going to see if we can do this every episode. Just name one movie that you would like to see a remake for horror wise. Oh, um, that you haven't had one. Okay. Just no pressure. Just like name a movie. You know what? I wouldn't mind to see this uh, rebooted or whatever. Mask of the Red Death. <laughs> Vincent Price. Interesting. Has there been a? There hasn't been. No. Fun fact: there is. That's no. a good one. Yeah, that's a really good one. You know, I was thinking Jeepers Creepers. Like. I feel like Jeepers Creepers has like a concept that's interesting, but yeah, but they just made just, one of those. Is it a reboot? I, I thought mean, it was a sequel. I don't. I can't tell anymore. I, I can't. They tell were going either. back in time. And, no, it's and, like jumping twenty something years every time, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but didn't they? They go. They flash back in that one too. I forget. They, they I'm flash sure back they flash back every time. They go. Oh, twenty something years ago. Because they end happened. up in that creepy ass house that uh, the last one was like the amusement. Park or something was built around the house or something. I don't know. It was terrible. Jesus Christ, but it definitely could use a reboot with actually somebody. Making it serious, mm-hmm. you know, like one of these Blumhouse movies or these eight twenty ones, taking like an actual character like that. Oh, that's a cool concept. What if this yeah. thing was happening all night? That'd be cool. Yeah, we also talked about um, Taurus Trap can be remade. Oh well, yeah, I was gonna try to do one a movie, oh. one, you know, whatever. But I just wanted to oh, throw out Jeepers ones. Creepers is yeah. an interesting one, so we'll keep the other ones for later. Okay. All right. So uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We're gonna be doing uh, remakes all month. Uh, so yeah, we got a couple going coming up. I don't even know what the next one is. Do you? Uh, Did you yeah. pick the definite next one? I know we have a couple names. Mm, I didn't pick it yet. I'm still thinking. We do have some choice numbers, yeah, we, we some provocative like ensembles. We, make, we found a <laughs> list of ones we were shocked that were remade. But it turns out almost every horror movie was remade. So I'm really mm-hmm. interested in seeing what could be remade. I'm not going to say it because I have not chosen it yet. We do have a list. Okay. So all right. So thanks for listening. Uh, find us on social media at Joe at the Crafty Misfit and me at uh, Just Another Movie Night. And uh, tell us what the worst movie is and what what's the worst movie you've ever seen so we can do it on the show. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening and have a good one. Where the water is.